I am Jen Cameron, and you are listening to the Power of You podcast, proudly sponsored by Clara Bell Hair and Leah Mass Makeup, both based in Mace, County Kildare. This week, I am joined by an incredible speaker, Jennifer Norrick. Jennifer is a clinical psychotherapist, a counsellor, and an energetic healer. Jennifer is based in Sydney, Australia, and I am so honoured to have her on this podcast today. We discuss inner child work, what that is, why it's important, and how it can impact our lives, bringing change. We also look at somatic trauma therapy. This is a really successful therapy that's growing every day. This podcast is one not to be missed. Jennifer shares her own personal experiences throughout her life also, and really shines light on things that are so relevant to us all. I am so excited for you to tune into this podcast. Enjoy. Hi, Jennifer. It's so wonderful to have you on the Power of You podcast today. I'm so grateful that you could join me all the way from Sydney, Australia. You are a clinical psychotherapist and an energetic healer. So thank you for coming on. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me and lovely to have connections across the water in Ireland. Amazing. Yeah. So today, Jennifer, we will be covering a few different topics, um, but we're going to begin with inner child work. So mm. able to share a little bit for our listeners um, around inner child work and why it's important. Yeah, for sure. OK. The reason I work with inner child work is because I found it so profound myself and it was a really big part of my own healing journey. So inner child work in one way or another is used in, it's used in so many different modalities. It's used as part of schema therapy, as part of gestalt, as part of, you can, the list goes on and on. And the reason why parts work, if you think of inner child work as parts work, it's used in so many different modalities is because it works. And if you think about, if you think about a simple decision like, okay, it's a Saturday night and, you know, part of me is feeling like, oh, I'd really like to go out to my friend's birthday party and it'll be so much fun and I'll miss out if I don't go. And then another part is feeling like I just want to stay in my pajamas and I want to watch, you know, eat, love, pray, and I don't want to move from here. And so in the most simplistic way, it's that's kind of parts work. So, you know, parts will also be a part of us that is furious about something that happened. And another part of us that feels like, well, we're not allowed to be furious about that thing that happened because maybe it was partly our fault or maybe we're wrong to be furious. And so it's what they found in a lot of trauma research is that these parts of self are, are very normal, that everybody has this kind of parts of self. And with people who've experienced a lot of trauma and especially complex trauma, so childhood trauma, is that these parts are more fragmented, so almost kind of more outside of self than if we've experienced less trauma. And so inner child work and parts work, so I see kind of them as a bit interchangeable, is bringing these part is sort of learning to dialogue with these parts of self and to integrate them into our psyche so that we have more of a sense of integration and wholeness and more acceptance of the different energies that these different parts are holding. 
but that's why I love it. It's I found it in my own psyche to be very a very powerful way to hear the maybe rejected or disowned or disavowed parts of me and the, the bits that I might have deemed as unacceptable or have been deemed unacceptable by my family or by our culture, I'm able to kind of own them and bring them back in with a sense of love, acceptance, and and then the word grace comes up, like an integration and a grace. Mm. Fabulous. And Jennifer, can you share with us a little more about your own personal experience of doing that inner child work to give it a clear example, maybe for the listeners who are new to this? Yeah. Okay, I have a, I have a good example of when um, I was I was a I was a grown up. Um, supposedly, I'd already had my first child. So I would have been about what, so like 32, 33. And I, I had to do something for um my family that I didn't really want to do I had to do it on a regular basis and I would find myself sitting outside having an internal tantrum so I was already a therapist at 32 but it just stuck sticks out as a as a really clear memory and I remember sitting in the car and talking to my inner child because it was a tantrum I could feel it It was like I don't want to go in I don't want to have to do anything it's just like, I should have to do this. I'm 32 years old. <laughs> and so, you know, part of me is having a total rant, right? And um, so I'm sitting out in the car and I bring that part of me forward. And, and she's about five years old. She's got her arms crossed. She's stamping her foot. She's like, mommy, you know, why do we have to go and do this? You know, I don't want to do it anymore. And so I really brought her up in my consciousness and I spoke to her and I was like, you know, I actually really understand your frustration. And I really hear that you don't want to be doing this anymore. And you know what? I think you're right. I think that actually once a week for us is actually too much right now. And so I'm going to put a, I mean, we'll make a change. And how does once every other week sound to you? And she was kind of like oh, a bit eye rolly, you know. It still sounds like quite a lot. And I was like, okay, well, what if we do every three weeks and sometimes two weeks? And she was like, okay, and can we watch a movie and just stay home some of those evenings, just me and you? And I'm like, yeah, totally. We can totally do that. She's like, okay. And then it was kind of like all that anger melted away. There was a, a felt shift in my body. The voice had completely gone. I was holding her in my heart. I'd really heard what she had to say. I'd really validated that actually, you know what, you're right. And that it's okay to feel this way. And then as her loving parent, I negotiated with her just like I would a child, like we were mm. an, an actual child. Okay, well, what do we need to change to, to make this, um, more suitable for you at the moment and and then I went in and it was it was completely fine so that's a quite a nice example of how something can be an inward inward inwardly tumultuous and through that process you can come out with a gift actually definitely and a really great example like you said given the idea that, you know, you can connect to what's happening for you, you know, try and understand it, break it down, hear yourself and reparent that child um, in the moment and through the validation and connection of self 
it's very powerful work isn't it really yeah yeah I, I find so do you use it in much of your therapeutic work have you yeah I would a bit it kind of varies to be honest um I work a good bit with individuals and then also with couples I specialize so it kind of can come in and out at different times um especially in the relationships actually yeah yeah I it's um because in that model it's like we're in relationship with two people but actually we're in relationship with six there's almost like six people in relationship because you've got two inner children in relationship with each other and yeah. then two inner parents in yeah. relationship and two inner adults in relationship so then it starts you can see the complexity yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's pretty amazing and it's a privilege I think to work in that area you know to be able to be included yeah. in people's inner internal worlds you know and their reality as well to help bring change yeah yeah the other thing about relationships within a child work is I often have this image in my head of when we're looking to date people it's like my and I'll just speak for myself like my inner child looking at my husband's inner child before we got married and going okay can I play with him and can I have fun is he gonna is he gonna be a bit naughty with me and also my little girl looking at his inner parent to see how strict he is as a parent you know how disciplined is he how much leeway is there um and so I think there is this kind of um checking each other out from these different parts of self what you know before we before we commit definitely yeah and I think we do it more when we're I suppose through this training and through working in this area you can't help but become more aware of everything that's going on yeah Mm. yeah relationships and as parents and everything that we're doing it's kind of constantly there in your conscious isn't it yeah totally yeah yeah and parenting it's a whole other level because you're parenting yourself and parenting your own children so it's like parenting on steroids yeah completely it goes a bit AWOL at times (laughs) Jennifer if we go back to just a bit around the inner child work how would our listeners know do you feel um and I know in that example you gave the idea of, you know, you could be feeling quite, uh, you know, angry or kind of having a tantrum or a strop. But what other ways would people know if their inner child is really showing itself, um, but they don't see it yet? How else do you think they might know? I mean, for me, when I work with my inner child, it's when I feel triggered. So I always just get really curious when I'm triggered. And not in a critical way. It's not a, oh, here you go again, you're being triggered. It's in this like, ooh, okay. It's in this kind of curious, oh, I'm feeling something really strong coming up there in the way that my boss just, you know, just um, spoke to me then. And maybe he, maybe my boss is, you know, a little bit, um, maybe he has a bit of a critical personality and, and maybe something in his tone is just kind of, oh, that really hurt. I felt physical pain when he said that. So for me, that would be a trigger. I'd go, oh, okay, there's a trigger there. I call that a trigger. And then, and then I get curious, like, okay, so what, what's that reminding me of? Where did that come from? And it might come up straight away. Okay, well, that reminds, they know that's my dad, you know, okay, that's my dad. Okay, and so what part of me right now is responding to that? And again, in the way that it works within my psyche, and it's a bit different for everybody, is my inner child will just come forward at a particular age. 
and I don't, I don't have any control over that, she'll just come forward and she might come forward in that example at age 12, for example, and just say, you know, I am so, and she might launch into a dialogue about my biological dad and actually nothing to do with my boss. Mm. Um, and again, it's that same process of listening and validating and witnessing her and being there for her. And also for me, I do a lot about um, what do you need in this situation? So I really facilitate my inner child. What do you need here? What do you need from me? And so the trick with inner children is sometimes they'll say, okay, well, I feel rubbish and I'd like to eat the whole tub of Haagen-Dazs ice cream that's in the freezer. And then um, that's a time to negotiate just like you would with, this is what I do, with any, with any child, you know, yeah, well, you can't have the whole tub of Haagen-Dazs ice cream, you know, it's going to make you feel ill. But I'm wondering what else, what, what do you need that's under that? And so I spend a bit of time with her digging, okay, what's under? And usually when she digs down, she's like, I just need to know that I'm safe and that you've got me and that you're there for me. And I'd really like a big hug. Mm. But usually that's kind of, that's under it, is that need for connection and validation and acceptance and, and love. Yeah, yeah. And giving yourself back that reassurance that you're okay, that things are good and you're safe, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, so I find that with that example, like although, although the triggers happened at work, it's brought up the something with my dad at that age, um, then there might be a piece sort of finishing that off with the boss and, and an exploration with my inner child, you know, how does he make you feel? And she might say, well, he makes me feel really frightened. I really don't wanna be around him. And then I'd need to work with her around well, what does she need when when we're around him, because that's my adult life. You know, I'm taking care of the boss and it's not for her to be taking care of him at age 12. Completely. And Jennifer, do you feel that a lot of people are in general aware of being able to talk themselves through like inner child work, maybe without naming it inner child work? Or do you feel that once they come to therapy and explore it and learn the names and understand what's really happening for them, that then they can use that tool more outwardly? That's a great question. Yeah. Cause I mean, the basic question is, is it, is it kind of um, loving self-talk yeah. And, and yeah, you know, part of it is it's loving self-talk and um, I just, I've, I've just worked with a lot of people who find that model very helpful in helping it's almost like giving themselves permission to give that loving self-talk to themselves a lot of people have said to me you know I would read all this stuff about how I'm supposed to talk to myself but then when I did it I would feel kind of stupid or and, and there's something about that model that for a lot of people I don't know it kind of gives them an extra level of permission as soon as they see it like because a lot of people speak like this naturally to their own external children is what I found. A lot of parents will say, oh, gosh, I speak to my children like this, but I never speak to myself like this. Yeah. Myself like this. Completely. And I think knowing that they can go back and do that in the present moment is so powerful. Um, whereas people often invest, you know, in their children like that, particularly emotionally, I feel, you know, I see here like what you're saying, that parents would be more considerate or conscious of how 
they are with their children or the language they use or, you know, just the names, the different things that they do. Um, but yet they nearly sometimes are stuck in that piece of, well, it's wrong sometimes maybe to go back because my parents did the best they could. So I'm not going to blame them. So I'll just go forward. But it's really taking that whole thing out of the equation, isn't it? And bring it back to self. Yeah. Like you said, permission. Yeah. And that, that whole thing about it's like the word reparenting. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, that our, there's part of us that still expects to hear the same stuff that we heard from our parents. And so when that part of us hears our own, us, our own loving parent voice, it's, it's reparenting and it's very deeply healing, I feel. And Jennifer, do you feel everyone needs to be reparented? To a certain extent, yeah. I mean, does anyone escape the process of socialization unscathed? I don't think so. <laughs> no, I completely agree. You know, and I feel it's more a process of life on this journey for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I have thought about this a lot. You know, is that also how we're doing it in the West? You know, because we have, if I just remember for myself growing up, you know, being in a shop with my dad, don't touch this, don't speak too loudly, don't do that. You know, there was just so much don't, you know, careful with your food and just so much kind of restriction and control. And I do wonder if it's always been quite like it is at the moment. Mm. And maybe, may, and maybe it got worse in the Victorian era and is actually getting better now. I'm not sure, but yeah, yeah. Do we, yeah, do any of us in the West really escape? I don't think so. Yeah, <laughs> I agree completely. <laughs> and Jennifer, when we look at the benefits of the inner child work, so obviously people are able to then connect, you know, more with self-regulation uh, to do better and, you know, correct breathing cycles. And I mean, there's lots of positives, you know, nurture their children maybe a bit more um, when they have this awareness. But how does your energetic healing, I suppose, come into this? Because this is new to me. Yeah, okay. So I guess energetic healing itself spans so many different modalities. It's quite hard to kind of just talk about energetic healing yeah. as um, one thing because I count in that a whole range of different modalities that are all completely different, you know, from buck flowers, vibrational essences and um, chakra work, work with meridians, um, so Reiki, pranic healing, the, 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 the list yeah. um, But for me, um, I've done a lot of shamanic practices in my life over the last 16 years. Um, and I've done a lot of work with the chakra system. So one of the ways that I work with clients is to diagnose through the chakra system. And when I say diagnose, it's more of a um, looking through the chakras with the inner vision and getting a sense for which ones feel more depleted and which ones feel stronger. So it might be that um, while we're doing some of the psychotherapeutic work, maybe some of the body somatic work, or maybe in a child work, a client might have a very and big release where there's a lot of energy moving through i've got a great example from the other day i was doing some somatic work this is quite a while ago um and uh i'll change some of the things to maintain confidentiality um and the deep body work and the client said 
oh, it's like all these birds are flying out of my stomach. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of birds are flying away. And so that was how the client was seeing symbolically the energy moving out of his system. Wow. I mean, that's pretty fascinating, isn't it? That your client was able to name that for that experience. Yeah. And it's, it's so interesting. I actually just started a shamanic course last week. Um, so I've only done one class, um, but it's just an introduction into, uh, well, yeah, shamanism. And I mean, I feel that healing on every level, every holistic level, you know, there's a place for all of it. So kind of just through more knowledge and understanding with clients, different needs and bringing in things that you can and what works and maybe doesn't. So it's fascinating. It is. It's so fascinating. And, you know, I mean, you're in such a rich tradition there in Ireland. You know, you're surrounded by the Celtic wisdom and the uh, mm. Druidic wisdom as well there. Is that right, Druids? Yeah. Did you have that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and for me, that, that, that wisdom and, and knowledge and those practices, they're done in, in most traditional communities. You know, it's a the ancestors are around and with us. And um, like when I do grief work with clients, often a big part of that is around, we have such an interesting concept of death in the West where, you know, now they've left their physical body, then, well, they're, then they're gone. Whereas that's probably, you know, only a couple of hundred years ago, they would have thought that we were completely insane to think that. Um, and so, you know, often with clients, they find a lot of comfort in, in how do we maintain the connection with them now they're being a shifted form. Mm. Um, and so like I lost my father three years ago and, and he's very alive in me. Um, I'll be walking down the street and I'll know exactly what my dad would say. And I'll, I'll speak with his accent. He had quite a Northern England accent. And so he'd say, you know, Oh, Jen, what, what, what's going on here? <laughs> and I know exactly what he would say and how he would say it. And so it's almost like he's speaking kind of through me or with me, but I bring him into our family life in that way, just through knowing him and what he would say. And I think it's a, I know for myself and a lot of my clients, it's a much kind of healthier way to deal with death and loss and grief definitely yeah and I'm more and I'm you know I'm sorry for your loss um you know, losing a parent is always very challenging for all of us um and you know I connect with that I, I lost my dad maybe 18 years ago um, and it was a profound time in my life and I feel what you're saying around um the grief process and kind of keeping people alive even though their body is gone so to speak it really yeah. does I think help you learn to live with the that loss a bit better but knowing like keeping them around like you said or sensing them you know feeling them literally you know or that mm. book that they would have given or whatever it was um you can really keep that alive no matter how much time goes by mm, beautiful that's so beautifully said mm. yeah and sorry for your loss too yeah and Jennifer so funny I mean I'm not sure if this has any meaning but I'm sure it does in some way when I started that shamanic course last week in the last week, three birds have flown into my house, which I'm a bit terrified about because I'm not really sure what the point, you know, and literally into the house, like not just at the, the back or the porch. Yeah. Um, 
so I'm very yeah. interested now I feel like in spirit there's a lot there as well you know just through these little symbols or messages <laughs> yeah 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 well I wonder I wonder it'd be interesting what what um what breed of bird and what what meaning that has in Ireland yeah I should look it up actually because one was a robin and two were wrens just small brown wrens um, yeah. so I'll have to I haven't actually taken the time yet but I will definitely um even just knowing isn't it? it's been aware of the nature around you and within literally in your space <laughs> yeah yeah and, and what are they bringing into your home I guess would be the the symbolism and the energy of that because they're bringing something I guess into your home but yeah and then, and then when you read it what, what I do with that is usually like I kind of read it and then I just check out what resonates with me mm. yeah feel it out take what you can from it I suppose yeah take the bits that resonate and leave the bits that sort of don't really seem to fit yeah beautiful but what an interesting um line of exploration for you moving into that um shamanic space i think it's a lovely progression actually is doing the psychotherapeutic work and learning to hold space for people and then moving into the shamanic because for me it's just like holding space but an extra level so it's kind of like holding space in the physical and in the psychic in the you know the mind psyche space and then you're learning to sort of hold space in the spiritual which is um yeah, um, it's like, I, I feel like it's what the healers of the past did. They were, I think they had very clear um, knowledge about nature and things that are maybe not physical and, and about rebalancing. So a lot of ancient wisdom is about how do we live symbiotically with the earth? How do we maintain balance? Balance in self, balance inside and outside. I think we have a lot to learn from that ancient wisdom. Definitely. And it sounds, I feel like it's going to be very enriching, you know, and it sounds like it's very enriching into your practice as well, which is key. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, my, my, also my sense is, and I don't know if this is just the people who seem to come to me more because I do know that people often come to me for psychotherapy. Um, but they'll say to me, oh, I also came because you're an energy healer and I, I wanted that piece as well. Okay. Um, but I do find Find, I find that there is a thirst in a lot of people where they've grown up and the religion that they've grown up into feels dull or not alive for them. And so I feel like there's a lot of people searching for how do I connect with something beyond myself in a really meaningful way, in a structured or unstructured way. Yeah, to connect with something beyond self. Do you feel that? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's always more meaning and searching. I think people are more curious now and more open to yeah. everything, really, you know, of what's going on for them. Um, you know, not just mentally, emotionally, spiritually, you know, physically. It's taken in the whole arena, isn't it? And when they're with you, they really want to go to them levels of layered depth, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah I keep feeling like a thirst like people are thirsty for for that um deeper connection and I wonder if that's what um takes a lot of our young people into drugs and alcohol and different ways of changing their consciousness is because we as a culture are maybe not giving them safe ways to be initiated and to shift consciousness 
and to explore their own capacities in healthy ways. And so then I'm, I just wonder if our young people take themselves off and they initiate each other through dangerous things. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. Definitely. And I'm sure there is definitely a huge aspect of that. I mean, we see that here as well, you know, quite a lot. I mean, it's everywhere, but and just the idea of, yeah, pushing that boundary, isn't it? Like out of conscious, I suppose, uh, for a different exploration. Whereas I suppose here I would feel I would love, you know, psychotherapy and the movement. There's a real movement right now happening here. Um, I think around psychotherapy where yeah. they're becoming more aware and healing in general. You know, people are a bit more open. Um, and I think in the next few years, we're going to really see a shift or a difference. You know, I think a big part is being educated around all of this information that we talk about, whereas really so many people don't understand or don't hear about it or don't know because it's not available to them if you get me unless they're looking for this kind of work yeah yeah but and I guess with the internet when when people are ready and they start searching then my hope is that it's easier and easier to find um resonant teachers or um, guides that they resonate with yeah that suit them because I mean there's just so much open now in the states in Europe in Australia there's some really fantastic um you know well um things that come with a long lineage that um yeah and a lot of safety yeah that can safely be explored and yeah, I guess I have a wondering as well around, here's me just wondering out loud. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, is, you know, around that connection with something beyond self and depression. Because for me, depression is essentially kind of a bit of a, it's like a dulling of the spirit, a dulling of the life force. And what's the opposite of a dulling of the life force? It's going to be being connected to inherent joy and soul and spirit and you know, if you think of the word like spirited, or oh, she's so high spirited. There's just something, and it's not it's not resonant for everybody. Some people they're like, nah, not in this life. There's just nothing there for me. I'm not interested in anything spiritual or beyond self and physical, and that's totally fine. But I do think that there are a lot of people thirsting or for something. Definitely, yeah, and like you said, depression uh, really just is the name or label or. The symbolization of that in some way isn't it of the disconnect that's happening for that person in some yeah. form yeah. yeah yeah oh it's very exciting and interesting and intriguing I think you know there's always so much to learn and explore and wonder about and question and grow yeah. and beautiful that there's something guiding you towards that um that shamanic work as well yeah definitely and I feel very you know privileged and lucky to be in this line of work and even moving into a new line as well like to add I love to learn and I believe like that well life is a learning process full stop you know I never intend to stop learning or growing even on my own self-development and work um but I feel like my life and my sense of purpose and meaning is really enriched and clear because of all that work that I do um more even on myself and bring into my life um which I think that and the sense of self and the regulation and where we are in this life 
I feel all of that is such a big piece of how good we get on, so to speak, you know, as in how good we feel in ourselves. Mm, mm, yeah. Yeah. And I, I guess, um, what's the dream work that you do? Do you use that's the Jungian dream work or? Yeah, I just do a little bit. Now, I only dabble slightly in that where I bring it in sometimes with my clients, usually on a psycho um, analysis basis, you know, if I get them to lie down and give me descriptions. Um, again, it's something I feel people maybe are a little closed off to here a little more. Um, so there's definitely more work for me to work on there and to introduce a bit more. Um, but the dream work, I, I really believe you know, that through our lucid times, we're getting messages all the time, you know, from our guides and just to bring us on and to be more aware of certain situations that we're in, you know, that there's a. Mm. Yeah, as an avenue into the unconscious. Yeah. And symbols and archetypes and yeah, very valid. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, and then discovering what resonates for the person can be, yeah. I have I don't do I don't do that work with clients but I've done it working it through myself a few times and found it really helpful mm. yeah mm. yeah there's definitely a message within I think anything that we're open to we can take what we need from it if we can do that kind of inner work isn't it to be analytical of ourselves and um, Jennifer just to move on slightly around um somatic trauma therapy yeah I know for like a lot of our listeners, again, they may not be aware of what that is. Can you just explain a little bit about that um, for them, please? Okay, so um, somatic work straight off is it's to do with the body. And mm -hmm. I'll give you an example of when I first met um, somatic work. So I was studying energetic healing and this is about 16 years ago. And at the time, I, I still, when I, was a, when I was a teenager, I used to get terrible, terrible menstrual pain, terrible and heavy, heavy cycles, really heavy. Um, and so retrospectively, I could see that there was probably a lot of stuck energy around the hips and around that whole area for me. But by the time I was, yeah, this is before kids. So yeah. I was still getting a bit of cramping before my cycle. Not terrible, but I would get a bit the day before. And I learned this somatic technique and I just learned it in a three hour class. It was basically check in with your body, speak to the part of your body, listen to the message it has to say, um, ask it what it needs and then come back. And I thought, okay, cool, let's give it a go. It's like a little meditation. So I remember sitting at home and I just went down into my uterus and I kind of was aware of my ovaries. And I just said, look, I'm here and I'm just wondering how you're going. And I don't remember what came back, but I remember there was a very clear message back. And I sat with that message and I listened, it's similar to the inner child work, I validated and by the time I finished that little meditation, it probably lasted about four to five minutes. Okay. The pain had gone from about a six out of 10 to a zero. Wow. And I just thought, wow. And that really shifted my view around the relationship of the body and the mind. 
Because if I could be feeling a six out of 10 pain, drop into that part of my body, listen to what it had to say and come out and then there'd be no pain, that blew my mind. Yeah, it's incredible. So uh, another great example of that body-mind connection is um, someone I know who, who knows that I use this story and I have her permission. Um, she stopped speaking to her father for a while for a, a pretty good reason. And when she stopped speaking to him, she developed really bad glandular fever, lasted for about a year, had to take loads of time off work. And something happened. And a year later, she started to speak to her father again. And when she speak, started speaking to her father, lo and behold, the glandular fever left. Yeah. And so it's that thing about, okay, well, I'm going to block my throat. I'm not speaking to him. I mean, I have no, you know, no contact. And for, but it wasn't processed. She wasn't mm -hmm. able to process it. So it just stuck there. And then when, it, when she opened up again, um, it shifted. And so everybody's process would be different. It might be that um, it might have been exactly the right thing for some people to not speak to family members. Um, but my invitation, I guess, there is just to notice mm. whenever there's a strong physical reaction to something, just notice what was happening around the time that it came about. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes there is something... Um, yeah, just something big that happened around that time and sometimes linked into that part of the body. Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? Like them two examples as well of how, you know, our mind and body is completely connected. And I mean, the body never lies, really. You know, it tells us a hundred things about ourselves. It has memories that we probably maybe think we've forgotten about, but it lets us know. And it's so interesting, you know, a number of years ago, I had a very similar experience in the sense of mind-body connection, where when my dad passed away, I didn't cope very well. And probably about a year and a half after, um, like I was working and doing all them things, but I was just surviving, really. And then I developed a spontaneous lung condition where my lungs would just collapse and come back and collapse and I mean I had to have surgery it was very traumatic at the time um yeah. but in Chinese medicine you know lungs represent grief and there's a whole connection and really the thing was that I, I had that for a couple of years on and off you know I struggled with my my lungs and I was very fit like I said medically spontaneous you know there was no reasoning for this um but for me there was you know I was really struggling to manage my grief and when I began to um, see somebody myself, a therapist, and uh, sort of invest back into me, you know, I became a lot healthier and a lot better. And yeah. that, that's one of the most profound moments for me. I mean, I've had a few, but that one definitely is one that, I mean, it makes perfect sense for me. Yeah. 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 And as you were saying it, I'm thinking uh, lungs, grief from Chinese yeah. medicine. Yeah. And so, you know, like, I, I know sometimes I, I will recommend to clients, I'll say, look, you know, I really do take an integrative approach. And, you know, sometimes I'll have a client come in and say, you know, Jen, I'm thinking about doing some work with, an, with a, someone who does acupuncture. 
And I always say, look, if you're feeling guided there, do it. Mm. Because I do think sometimes that there's a piece of work that needs to happen in a particular modality with a particular therapist. And I know in my own journey, there've been phases where, I mean, before I um, had my children, I did quite a bit of work with an acupuncturist. Um, and I did quite a bit of work with an energetic healer. Um, but then I haven't been to acupuncture for about 10 years. But for a while, I was going every week. And so I think there's this just a kind of, you know, an organic, holistic, as we're growing, kind of holistically expanding. It's kind of sometimes there is this sort of piece of work to do over here and then a piece over there. And I think there's so much wisdom in all the traditions, you know, for them to have lasted this long. It's Well, there must be something in them. Um, and that is that trusting that inner healer or that inner wisdom to, to guide you. You know, if you're feeling pulled to go over there, then, yeah, follow follow that. Yeah, lovely, because it's not like one shoe fits all. And I think the ability to dabble when you need, so to speak, in these different treatments and holistic therapies and psychotherapies and psychology, whatever it is, that it's just being open to it, knowing, like you said, you're being guided to it for a reason and maybe a short term thing or a bit longer. Um, but there's only a benefit, isn't there? I mean, I can't see any other uh you know, there's no negative, I suppose, for me, I feel trying these things out or exploring what you need at the time. Yeah, 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 that's a very powerful story. I'm left with, um, yeah, that image around your lungs and what a powerful, um, you know, that saying, healer, heal thyself. Mm. Often therapists and healers, we have our own journey that kind of led us to want to hold space for and help others in their journey and it's just such a powerful experience when something like that is physicalized in your body it's like you can't just look away you have to stop and you have to attend to it because that's show stopping isn't it yeah yeah literally makes you stop and at the time when it's there about the idea of healers I had met a man similarly around the same time um, through a work thing. And I wasn't doing this work. I was in social care work at the time. And he just put me aside. He was an older man. I mean, I was only in my early 20s. And he said, um, you know, are you OK? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm great. And he was like, all right. And he was like, look, I do a bit of uh, spiritual work, you know, funny enough at the time. And he said, there's just something I want to say to you. And I was like, OK. And he said, you know, the wounded are often the healers of life. And he said, that's all I need to say. And that was it. And he left. And I had no, at the time, I didn't understand even what he was saying. You know, I was just like, okay, thanks for that. And, you know, that's grand. But as my life went on, it's something that I've never forgotten. You know, funny enough. So even the power in a line or connecting to something and the ability to go deep, I think, in pain and have great joy equally allows a balance and a stability for clients when they come to you you know there's a, an element of depth and joy like you know that you can connect with regardless of what the issue is or situation people are coming with yeah yeah I totally agree with that there's a richness in that sort of spectrum of the deep deep pain it like psychological pain and physical pain and the the potential for great great joy yeah mm. Yeah. Jennifer, thank you so, so much for joining me today. The time has gone really quick. I feel like I could talk to you for hours. <laughs> same, same. I've really enjoyed meeting you and um, 
yeah, I hope, I hope there was, um, I guess, just one thing in there that someone takes away, one story or a little snippet that um, they take with them. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And Jennifer, I know you do a couple of courses as well, and our listeners will be able to find you on Instagram and on your website, which I will put up also. So thank you so much. Uh, pleasure. It's been fantastic. I've really enjoyed meeting you, Jen. You too. Thank you to my inspirational guest for joining me this week. Please check out www.jencameron.org for more information on how to join our Wellness Tribe community, therapy services and workshops provided. And don't forget to tune in next week for our next conversation.